You are listening to the Body Charge Podcast, and I'm your host, Sandy Sanderson. Today's podcast is about getting more out of your life with a balanced digital diet. So there is excessive media consumption today with information overload, and it's been linked to sleep disturbances, anxiety, stress, and other mental health issues. The internet can sometimes feel like an avalanche of messages coming at you so fast it can become overwhelming. You can also lose sight of when, when you've had enough, because there's always one more message to open, isn't there? One more breaking news event to catch up on. So I have with me a very special guest today. Alex Fink is a Silicon Valley expat and the founder of what's called OtherWeb, which is a public benefit corporation trying to combat this issue. Alex shares his insight on the perils of excessive internet use and information overload and how we can regain control of our digital diet so that we have more time to smell the flowers, relax, recharge and recover. So welcome, Alex. Hi, Sandy. Thank yeah, you for having me. You're welcome. So my first question is, what are the, the physical health effects and symptoms of too much screen time and information overload? What, how, how does it make us feel? What are the effects on us physically? I think for the most part, it is the same as addiction to any other substance or any other thing in your life, really. Um, the services that we typically use on the internet are addictive by design. And so they are there to produce dopamine hits whenever you use them with variable rewards, all the good technologies, good in quotation marks, that casinos have been using for a long time, that essentially are there to try to get us hooked. And so the effects that we have are the same effects that addicts tend to have. We tend to be more jittery, we tend to be more irritable. We tend to crave more of what it is that got us hooked last time even when it's inappropriate, right? You can sometimes talk to people and they're describing their social media use as gaps in their day, which is the same way that a heroin addict would describe his use of heroin, right? And obviously that's not a good direction for all of society to be going in. No, I, I believe that because we are very much... Um... Well, our, our biology means that we have to conform to the biorhythms of the planet. And so it's a diurnal rhythm of day and night. So when we don't get enough sunlight, like actual sunlight and the full spectrum, and we're exposed to way too much blue light, the artificial light from you know computers and screens, then we have a deficiency that interferes with sleep patterns. So a lot of people um, stay up way too late. They don't get enough sunshine. And then if you don't sleep properly, that's a lot of stress on the body. And so I know because I also had um, um, hypothyroidism about 14 years ago and severe heart arrhythmias from way too much screen exposure. I was um, a publisher of a small tourist magazine. So when the GFC hit in 2008, I had a lot of um, customers, advertisers not able to pay and I was feeling very stressed by it and I had to let staff go and I had to pick up the extra workload, which meant sometimes to get to print on time, I had to stay up 24 hours without sleep. And at the time I thought I can do this, you know, you could think you're invincible when, <laughs> when you're younger. 
And but you don't realize the damage that you're doing. I damaged my adrenals. Um, I suffered um, heart arrhythmias. And what I realized after that, when I did a lot of research, was that I depleted my magnesium, severely depleted magnesium in the cells, and that interferes with the heart rhythm. So, so that's what I do now. I, I manufacture and supply electromagnesium products so to help people recover from these kind of stresses. But if you keep punishing your body, you know, there's so much, only so much you can put back. Um, we also have to stop punishing the body um, and work out a nice balance between the two. So what interests me about, um, you know, how can we limit or restrict our screen time so that it doesn't, tail isn't wagging the dog. So we remain in control of our lives and our health um, rather than the other way around. What kind of tips do you have for people to get out of that kind of a trap? Yeah. So first of all, I want to mention that it seems like we've just accidentally touched on three distinct problems that are sort of compounded together. One is that if you use screens at inappropriate times, then you might be contributing to sleep deprivation and to all the negative health effects of that. And we know that that in itself is a self-reinforcing cycle. People whose sleep isn't good deplete their vitamin B6 and potentially magnesium. And then people who are low in vitamin B6 have a hard time falling asleep. So it becomes worse and worse over time, right? And you so need those two problem. to work together. The B6 right. and the magnesium are yeah. partners in that equation. Right. So if, if I show you the supplements that are right here next to me, yeah. vitamin B6 and magnesium are in there right. um, because <laughs> you, you can't go without them. But that is one problem. The other problem is that our use of screens in itself is unhealthy. So even if everything that we were doing was done at the appropriate time, which it's not, right? That would also be a problem because instead of choosing what to consume and then calmly consuming it as planned and going off to do something else, we tend to be driven by those triggers that are in themselves addictive. And so that's why we are exhibiting all these kind of side effects that a drug addict would have. And then the third problem is that the actual content that we are consuming during that time is itself often bad because the vast majority of social media algorithms and all media algorithms really, even though when you talk about print media, let's say it's humans driving it, not an algorithm, but they're following the same pattern. They're trying to maximize clicks and views from the readers. The way they do that is by watching what people engage with, what people react to, and giving people more of that. But what people tend to react to are the strongest negative emotions. That's what rises the fastest in us. And so we end up consuming more things that irritate us, that infuriate us, that depress us, because that's what we react to. And the algorithms or the editors of the print media Notice that we reacted to that and give us more and more of that. It's the drama, isn't it? So people can be addicted to drama, kind of like a soap opera. And we need to, we they it revs us up and we we get a, a pump pumping of adrenaline. But if the adrenaline has nowhere to go, you know, you're not really in danger or have to run away from the lions. You've got a lot of adrenaline in the system, and that actually um, makes you pee out too much magnesium. So that in itself is a stress um, that we have to, we should be aware of, um, because you need your adrenaline. Obviously, when it's the right time, when you need that action in the muscles, and you need to move fast, and you need to perform, um, 
it's very useful but if your body's pumping adrenaline and there's no need for the adrenaline that's what happened to me when I went through my health crisis my my adrenals became kind of burnt out and they started to pump out adrenaline when there was no need I didn't even have any negative thoughts you know it 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 lost its right timing and then when you have an excess of adrenaline body it produces too much acid the acids then start to dissolve us and they create you know disease the body breaks down from from this kind of acidic excess so we it's it's a way of um we need to be mindful of how to revert and calm down that system we need to know how to relax a lot of strategies obviously to relax the first one is to disconnect from the thing that's stirring you up right yeah so the way i would describe it is imagine that you have a bathtub you have water pouring in and then you have water pouring out that's my model of stress for my own life right so there are three ways if the bathtub is overflowing you have a problem there are three ways that you can try to improve it you can try to limit the amount of water leaking in that is regulating your media consumption in this case right you can try to pour more water out or to increase the rate at which water pours out. That would be meditation, exercising, all the different methods of coping with stress. Or you can try to make the bathtub bigger, which doesn't help in the long run, but at least it helps you cope better in the short run. That would be increasing your own capacity to handle stress. Maybe it's following a stoic philosophy or something similar to that, right? So you need to do all those three, but I would say probably the biggest one is Try to slow the rate at which water is pouring in because that's the source of the problem. Yes, I liken it to also the digestive system. So when we looked at your microbiome and your ability to digest food, if people have a sluggish system, if it's going too slow, you can't keep eating because the conveyor belt is running too slowly and then you keep piling up and increasing the blockage. The traffic jam has to be allowed to get through so you have to eat less um, so as not to overload the system when it's trying to clear itself. So everything in the body biologically is about achieving a balance. You've got to take the garbage out, <laughs> put the good stuff in and um, try and always stay in that balance point. And I like your analogy of the water. I sometimes use that, the leaky bucket analogy as well. <laughs> yeah. It's a known, I'm a programmer and it's a known pattern in programming, the leaky the liquid bucket pattern and so I tend to follow the same thing yeah 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 good so tell us how you started to think about um other web how, how is it going to help us manage our digital consumption better so the primary reason why we started working on this was the quality aspect of it we didn't actually start out thinking about how much media people consume we just wanted to give them the tools to select better media to consume, right? So the initial thing that we just started from was, was creating a bunch of AI filters that evaluate content and create a nutrition label for content. So just like when people go to the supermarket, they can look at the nutrition label of an item before buying it and before consuming it. We wanted them to have the same thing with an article. Is this clickbait or not? Is there something hateful in it or not? Is it going to anger you or not, right? So we wanted to just give people more information initially. And then some of our users, they loved it. And they said, why don't you create a platform where we can go for good content if you already know how to sort it? 
right? And so that's when we created a platform that aggregates content from all over the web, news, commentary, podcasts, research studies, Wikipedia, everything we can get in one place, filters out the things that trigger obvious red flags, and then give people as much control as possible to sort their feed in whatever way they like. One of the features that we added fairly recently that is, you could say is still experimental, but I think would be interesting to you is that we now actually categorize every article based on which emotions it's likely to trigger in the reader. And we let readers select, make my feed slightly less infuriating, more hopeful, or make it more educational, less depressing. Right, so users can actually decide what the balance needs to be and the content they consume, because otherwise the algorithm that decides typically is just fine-tuned to find your weakest spot, right, and and hammer it over and over and over again. And yes. this way, you can at least select. You know, I want to know all the bad stuff that's happening in the world, but give me at least as many hopeful articles uh, to balance it out. Yeah. So, so I think we shouldn't be actually censored from the the bad news because we need to understand where we are in the world, what's happening, and that then gives us clues on how to position ourselves. So it's about having a compass and knowing where you are in that in that environment, but without the negative emotions. So it's really the intent should be to have a strategy, a good strategy for best best survival to thrive and to survive as best you can, but without the emotion which actually interferes with thought, with good logical thought, with best thinking, with with reasoning. If you're highly emotional about something, you're not thinking clearly. And so I, I, that appeals to me, that idea of the taking the emotion out of it and just distilling that news. But then the other side of the coin is the danger of censorship when it's inappropriate censorship. You know, you know, shouldn't people be, you know, in a position where they're making those decisions? Well, this is good and this is bad. So that is one of the benefits of AI. I know most people don't think of it this way. But with software, instead of human editors, what we can do is open our models to the world, open the, the data sets that we use to train the models to the world, and show people that there is no political bias. There is no bias against any particular viewpoint or worldview, right? All we're trying to bias things towards is not left or right, it's upwards. We're trying to improve the quality in which data are presented, but both right-wing and left-wing content makes it onto the platform. We try to scrape from all over the place. We just have standards as to, you know, did you include your sources? Are you using sufficiently informative language as opposed to just trying to convince or play to people's emotions, right? So we're trying to raise the quality of the argument from all sides of every issue as much as we can, uh, just because that in itself will keep people informed. They will know what is going on in the world they will be able to make better quality decisions in their life. But we're not going to just try to hammer at whatever emotion gets triggered the easiest in that person. Yeah. And so besides article selection, we also try to make short summaries of every article, again, so that you can get informed quickly. And if that's not something you want to dive into, you don't have to. You've got three bullet points instead of 8,000 words, um, which, again, helps people just get informed if that's all they want to do.
Yeah, I like that idea about a quick summary because that you you can then make a decision, is it worth going deeper? Or, oh no, this isn't the right track. I need to look at something else. So that's a really good, it's like kind of like having a secretary or an assistant, isn't it? To to weed, to pull the weeds out. Yeah, in some sense, this is what we hoped that newspaper editors would do as well. But it seems like over time, the advertising model has kind of corrupted that in some sense, or at least it became worse when advertising became really efficient and that feedback loop started working really well. So now every person that publishes an ad knows exactly how many clicks they got, how many conversions they got off of every click, et cetera. And that creates a very short feedback loop to tell that editor, you're not driving enough, you're not driving enough, you're not driving enough. And over time, it seems like newspaper editors are all kind of being pressured to provide the same kind of clickbait, even if they work for otherwise respectable publications. Yeah, they're, they're captured. I, I think we need to look at everything through a different lens, a very skeptical one. We need to look at everything with the potential of, you know, what are they trying to sell? <laughs> and see, see it, um, not through the veil that they want to put over it. I think... You know, everything, every media, um, I guess they've got to earn a living, they've got to make money, they've got to pay the bills, um, but then there has to be a balance, just like in our biology. Um, you can't have it all on one side. You've got to be able to see it from different sides to try and find that the truth. Um, you know, it's human to have a different perspective, lots of different people. You know, the old analogy of, there's a, a car accident and there's four corners on that intersection and there's a, a, a someone standing on each corner who saw what happened, but they'll see it from a different perspective, yet it's the same event. So what we need to have is the different perspectives adding up to the same event to find out what the truth really is. And uh, and this, this way of um, filtering um, sounds very interesting with other web. How does it work with social media, though, where they serve up, you know, like TikTok and all those things that there's another thing and another thing and you just, oh, they've sent me something else. I have to open that up and have a look. How do you get over those kind of addictions? Because my husband's a little bit addicted. I'm, I'm a little bit of a, yeah. a widow. <laughs> I think almost everyone is. So if your husband is willing to do something about that addiction, Right then, what I would recommend, if he's not willing to just delete the account outright, is to clean out the history, because then it just suddenly seems like the same service that you were previously addicted to is just serving things that don't interest you as much. So I had to do that with my YouTube because that was my addiction a few years back. And as the moment I deleted all my subscriptions and all my history of likes, suddenly YouTube is boring. And I only go there to search for specific things that I want to watch, like a particular podcast episode that was posted there. But if I just open youtube.com and I browse what it shows me, none of it interests me and I love it. Oh, I'll do, I'll, that's a good tip. Yeah, delete the history. Be, because we need to remain in control, don't we? If you give your power away to the machine, the AI then takes over. But you've allowed that to happen in a sense. And the AI is tuned to a very, very specific and simple metric, right? The goal of the AI, ultimately, whether it's AI or rule-based systems, whether it's one algorithm or another, they're all doing the exact same thing. 
they want to keep you there longer so that you click and watch more stuff so that you see more ads. The way to keep you there longer is to keep you more engaged. The way to keep you more engaged is to keep you triggered, to use sort of the normal modern term that is often floated around, right? But do you want to be triggered all the time, many times and every day? It doesn't seem like you do. And so the only way for you to avoid being triggered all the time is to be in control of what you watch next. Don't, yeah, don't let an algorithm decide for you. No. Try to make the algorithm useless in some sense. Uh, so what, what could happen is that people become actually insensitive. And that, that means that the program needs to uh, ramp up the drama of something to try and get an effect, to try and get an action happening. And so the more we're exposed to that level, the more we become, in a sense, like like developing a callus on, on your skin. If it's rubbed several times, you, it gets a thicker skin. We become immune or used to it. And then it has to keep, it's like a drug addict, as the, your previous analogy, that they just need more and more because the the old level isn't enough anymore and you know and advertising it uses a lot of emotion to sell um and fear fear is the favorite emotion fear of loss fear of loss of something fear of something bad going to happen now do this and then that will solve your problem um we have to step back from that i think step back and observe as an observer we have to be a little bit sometimes outside ourselves in a mindful way and looking at what's actually happening from a different perspective, not subjective. Right. So uh, obviously we need solutions for ourselves and I use some of these tricks myself, but as an engineer and an entrepreneur, I'm also trying to create tools that make it easier for people because ultimately if you just tell everyone you meet, you have to be more, more mindful of what you put into your brain the vast majority of them aren't going to do anything, right? Because it's inconvenient. It's more convenient to just, well, I have five minutes, I have to wait for something, let me turn Instagram on. Um, and so I'm trying to give people better tools so that you know they have a better alternative than Instagram on their phone, potentially, to consume content. You're doing that whether you're reading the news or scrolling Instagram, but that content is not going to trigger emotions in you it will actually allow you to know more by the end of the session than you knew before. Well, yes, that's so that's interactive. And that's a good thing because it's stimulating the brain to think. Whereas if something's always feeding you and you're allowing it to decide what you spend your consciousness on and your valuable time, which you can never get back, you're allowing it to control things. It reminds me of TV the way it used to be, where it just served up and people have never had any choice except to turn the TV off. You either turned it off or turned it on. And then whatever's there, you consumed whatever's there. And you may have had a few different channels to switch between, but the the TV controllers were the ones in control of the schedule of what was being delivered. And then, then we have internet. Internet then opened a new world, a new vista of interaction and people actually able to choose the content um, and when they wanted to watch and when they wanted to absorb. And somehow or rather, I don't know, is it through laziness? <laughs> people have been sucked into another vortex of having everything served up without choice. So we need yeah, to be mindful. And you can consider that that vortex is worse than the original because if the TV has one channel 
and the content director of that channel decided what to show at a particular time, most people would not be interested. So you had an impetus to turn this thing off and go play outside, right? But if it has an infinite number of channels and eventually the TV itself figures out which channel it should show you at all times, because then you will never turn it off, then you would appro approximate something like what we have online right now. And so, yes, my advice to just about everybody that I meet is try to actually plan what you want to consume in a day. Try to have some idea of, I want to consume stuff for about two hours or three hours or have some idea of how much time you're spending on stuff, right? And then think, okay, how do I want to divide it? I want 30 minutes of it to be books. I want 30 minutes of it to be news. I want 45 minutes to be a particular podcast that I selected because it's great, right? Try to decide what to do and how to allocate your time because if you don't, somebody else is going to decide for you. It's not like the decision is going to go away. It's just going to be taken by somebody else. Yes, and time is valuable. I always say that it's the one bank account where you have to spend, but you never get to put time back into that bank account. So we have to spend it more wisely. I like the idea of designing a digital diet and with some discipline, allocating time for, because you can't just do everything. Obviously, there is a, an, a, almost an infinite number of things that we could be exposed to, but only a limit of how much time you have. So where is the cream of the crop? We, sh we need to learn how to sift the cream and allocate that time for the cream so we get the best uh, there is within that certain time limit. And we don't lose opportunities because if you waste your time looking at junk that's useless, then you may be missing out on something really valuable that can impact your life in a very positive way. Right. You might be missing out on something really powerful or you might be consuming something that's really detrimental. Right. And both of these things are in themselves pretty bad. And so trying to give control back to people, I think, is the best thing we can do. And advising people to take control back is the best advice we can give. I really um, like has, that idea. Yeah. Yeah. It, it has direct effects on people's physical health as well. This is not just mental. I think there's a reason why when we look around us, it seems like every year people are fatter and more depressed. It's not an accident, right? It's because we are living unhealthy lives for the most part. Yes. So how can people um, learn more about other web, how, how to use it? Um, can you tell people what they should do if they want to know more about it? Sure. So we are, as a website, we're otherweb.com. So you can go there. You can read the news on in your browser as well. Or you can download apps. The apps are both in Android and iOS. They're also called OtherWeb. And if you go to the website, you can also find the newsletter for people who really want to just spend five minutes a day on the news. Then there's a newsletter that only selects 10 articles and gives you the summary of each article, not the full thing. So this way you can really sort of time bucket the news into a really small part of your day. Oh, that sounds fantastic because I also need more sunshine. <laughs> I need more, more time smelling the flowers outside. <laughs> Don't we all? Well, it's been really lovely to chat to you and it's so informative and very hopeful. I'm feeling really positive that people like you are working on how to make life better um, when 
you know, we, we're not aware sometimes that technology with all its good facets and all the um, wonderful advancements and how it sometimes saves us time. At other times, it uses up our valuable time. And so we're no further ahead than really, are we? We need to become... Yeah, so technology in general and AI specifically, it's just like a kitchen knife. I can use it to make a salad or to stab someone. So we're trying to use it to make a salad, but it seems like other people are trying to use it for, let's say, things that might be less beneficial to yeah. society as a whole. So hopefully over time, there will be more and more people trying to use it for not just benign uh, outcomes, but positive ones. Yes, and making decisions and able be able to say no when it's appropriate. Absolutely. Well, I know people are going to get a lot out of this podcast. And thank you very much for coming on my show. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. I hope you liked this conversation and will share it with others. Hear more from Body Charge on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to our newsletter to get updates on blogs, podcasts, videos, and magnesium special offers at electromagnesium.com.au. Relax, recharge and recover.